Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified. I'm stealing the show again. Hello, stealing the show again. I'm Jeremy. Our first dad joke of the evening. Yeah, are you uh, going to keep going? Yeah, I thought you are going to keep going. No. I didn't say anything. I'm Jeremy Whitley, and tonight I have gathered a whole coven of progressively horrified hosts and guests. We're all wearing our high-waisted jeans, and we're ready to talk about the craft legacy. First up, editor, educator, and my better half, who is still trying to steal the show as we speak, Alicia Whitley. Alicia, how high is the waist of your jeans tonight? It's about up to here, Jer. Now, horror enthusiast and photographer extraordinaire, Ali Mullen, how high is the waist of your jeans tonight? It is gently touching my clavicle right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Comics and fine artist, Emily Martin, how high pants, is the waist of your pants? Pants, pants. Like much of this movie, we're not going to talk about it ever again. <laughs> Comics writer, Ben Kahn, how high is the waist of your pants tonight? You're making a lot of big assumptions there, Jeremy. <laughs> It might all have to do with the uh, the waste of my pants, which has swallowed me entirely. So it's time to talk about this movie. This movie as a whole is uh, about as well put together as that introduction. Um, <laughs> what are we What are we talking about tonight, dear? So, <laughs> Skipping to section three. Spoilers. This movie mm, not great. <laughs> oh, alas! It's it tries hard. It's much gooder, but not great. <laughs> We're talking about the 2019 The Craft Legacy. It is directed by Zoe Lister-Jones. It is written by Zoe Lister-Jones based on some of the characters and ideas from Peter Filardi from the original film. It stars Kaylee Spanny, Zoe Luna, Gideon Adlon, Lovey Simone, David Duchovny, and Michelle Monaghan, among others. And the basic idea is the same as The Craft. Uh, a girl moves to a new high school in a new area. Her mother, in this case, is just remarried to a new man, and she meets three witchy girls, and they decide to form a coven together and discover that they have extraordinary power, and then things go wrong from there. Would you say this movie was spoopy, spooky, terrifying, or existentially disconcerting? CWE. That's the perfect. Yes. Yes, that's what we're going mm-hmm. for. Any trigger yeah. warnings you want to issue before we get started? I feel like David Duchovny's what, like, I feel like you should be warned about just David Duchovny. <laughs> I mean, there's a good chance I, that you will feel old watching this movie if that is uh, um, a trigger for you. No, there, yeah, there, there's I would say, tons of gaslighting. I would say, yeah, the big ones are like gaslighting and barrier gaze. So a bit heavy on the humiliation and there is some blood. And, um, if that's a thing for you, uh, then that might be a problem. This is going to be a short non-spoilery section because we're getting ready to jump into the details here. Uh, before we do that, if you don't want to hear them yet, you can go ahead and pause now and go watch the movie. We start very similarly to the first movie, Jeremy writes. Uh, We basically have three witches and they're looking for a fourth and they're trying to do all sorts of things like communicate with one another um, telepathically. Zoe Luna's character is obsessed with communicating telepathically, if I remember correctly. So we've got Frankie, Tabby, and Lourdes. um, And they are a nice, eclectic, diverse group of teen girls. How would you describe all of them? Frankie is the short and eclectic one. Eccentric. Also that. (laughs) Frankie is the the leopard print one. 
Right. Yes. <laughs> she is the Long Island witch. <laughs> Tabby is the uh, the black and witty one that gets more to do than just be black, which is uh, nice. She's also very weird. Yeah, she she is equally weird, unlike you know uh, Rochelle in the last movie, whose thing was just being black. Yeah, and then uh, Lourdes is uh, Latina and trans. That's our first trans character on this podcast, I think. Yeah, no, I love that. It's a common complaint we had about the last craft movie. I wish the other non-main girls got more to do and more backstory and more storylines. And they honestly have less to do than they did in the first movie. <laughs> uh, but for what we got of Lords, like I thought she was wonderful. And like for our first trans main character in a horror movie, I thought she was fantastic. Absolutely. And the actress, um, you know, is an activist and has been since she was about 13. She was the subject of a documentary about um, transitioning at a young age. And she was also in another HBO documentary called uh, A Quinceanera Story where she was one of the girls who was followed for planning her quinceanera. So I thought that that was really cool that they not just got a trans actress, but also got a trans actress who has been very out and very vocal (laughs) because this movie really wants to be woke. Love the way, and again, this movie does have a big coming out moment later on in the movie, but I kind of love how, again, I wish Lloyd's had more to do and had more of a storyline, but I'm glad she wasn't just given a dealing with transphobia storyline. Right. I, yes. th- I thought it was all handled like very smoothly and naturally like it just came up a few times just in casual conversation and making jokes with friends and again it just felt really natural right had one of the I think Frankie is the one who mentioned it in passing and had Frankie not said anything I would not have noticed it right I it would have just been she is just a character there's a Um, line she has uh in what right before the time stopping scene I think it is where she says trans girls have our own magic and I really, really like that line. Yeah. yeah I too I, really appreciated that line. I really appreciate um, in this this movie generally, like you were talking about, and we will go over that they have very little to do as far as their own stories in this, but they are instantly more specific than the other characters in the original The Craft. Like their dialogue is interesting. Like they're interesting. They talk they like feel, friends. They, yeah, they mm-hmm. feel like friends. Yeah. They feel like fully realized people. Yes. Um, and then they just don't really have anything to do. Right. Yeah. They're not defined by their problems either. Like they're not really defined by the horrible shit that they go through or their trauma or anything, which I think is especially nice in the case of Lords. But I feel like this movie, a lot of what this movie does is there's like some kind of checklist of what the previous craft movie really did badly and someone went through it. So there's a lot of, okay, well, we're going to make sure that we're going to address these things. They don't just address everything. You know, I, this, this movie, there's a gold star for at least the, uh, the representation of our coven. Absolutely. However, in the, Jeremy, you you pointed this out at, on like our group chat, and it really is true that this movie feels like it should have been like an eight episode miniseries. And these girls do feel so real and lived in, and they do have such a natural chemistry and rhythm, and have such great banter. I feel like a miniseries, like a whole like television series, could have gotten so much joy and mileage out of just these girls hanging out being themselves being around each other that this movie really just feels like it has to rush through to get through like it's all the plot points it wants to touch on absolutely there were a lot of montages of them hanging out together and having fun that could have been fleshed out into full episodes i agree 
Yeah. And while we and do all- love a good montage, it absolutely could have been an entire series and I would have eaten it up because this was easily my favorite part of the movie was watching these girls interact with one another. Yeah. And, and this is actually, uh, at this point, we introduced the, the fourth character to Alanis Morissette's One Hand in My Pocket. Very- oh, Emily, did you just say, oh, man? <laughs> Yes. I got one hand in my pocket. Um, <laughs> one of my first, one of my first like CD purchases that I made for myself was Jagged Little Pill. So I was like, Aww. that was where I was thinking, you know, I, I guess it's not just a checklist of like what we did wrong. It's also a checklist of references to the previous movie. Like, look, we're still, this, it has something to do with that one. Yeah, that is also the, the one of the first albums I owned as well. And that was the first General book of sheet of music that I bought myself to play on the really? piano. Well, like one hand's in your pocket. <laughs> And the other one was playing the piano. Exactly. I had to get it. So, (laughs) you know, Lily is, you know, singing with her mom and then she starts crying. Yeah. I, it's a little unclear. Like I felt like we were going to, there's a lot of things in this movie that we're going to have this note about. I felt like this is something we were going to develop more. Uh, You know, Lily is, is breaking into tears, I guess, you know, she's missing, I don't know, presumably Dan? No, I, she does not know who her dad is. Right, that's revealed I guess later. maybe she's just missing her old town. I really um, thought that this was a, wow, we're we're making this big move and we're making it without dad and this is going to be a brand new thing for us. And this huge note encircled that said things that go nowhere. And this was a <laughs> list of things that go nowhere. That's a um, lot of things in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Things, I think that's a recurring theme. Uh, things that go nowhere. Could have easily okay, never talked about this it again. movie introduces enough subplots to last an entire season of television yeah. and then has like an hour 20 to do all of them or not do them as it is yeah and lily is played by kaylee spaney who is actually really she's a really fantastic young actress like i thought she was doing a great job she did a lot of heavy lifting in this movie for things that the plot forgot to do and then uh, i think most of the acting in this movie was well done yeah and I mean, her yeah. mom, Michelle Monaghan is, is usually the best thing in any movie she's in. So, Jeremy, you've written something that is hard for me to say in these <laughs> notes. Mom has recently married Daddy Duchovny. <laughs> yes, I will only be referring to this character as Daddy Duchovny <laughs> the, whole, the whole podcast. So, it's a, she, you said she married Adam. I did not get the impression that they were married. I thought that she just, they were moving in together because that's really weird. That he said the last time I saw you was on your turf. Now I have home court advantage or some something like that. And so it implies that they've met, like this is their second time really meeting each other. And it would uh, seem really odd for this mom and daughter who are presented as being really close and they do each other's makeup to have a wedding, presumably. I don't know. Like this relationship I, doesn't make any sense to me. The David Duchovny uh, character and the mom feels like they're married. No indication I of why she would even find him attractive. I miss that they met and I even thought like, oh, I kind of believe that this mother's in such a state that she's moving across the country for what there's like mm, 50-50 chances a catfish type situation. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a feeling that they were sort of like online dating and then, you know, they finally decided to hook up or at least, you know, move in together. I don't think they were married. And I do think at some point in the movie, there's a dialogue that indicates that they have to plan a wedding. That's what I got. But I I also... Yeah, I online relationship that moved way too fast. Certainly. Yeah, it seemed like they were combining households, which then made me think that that's why she was crying in the car was that this whole shift was happening. 
Yes. But it's yeah. not very clear as it's happening. Like the whole movie you watch and then you go back and you're like, maybe this means that this happened. Like there's a lot of assumptions that and are made because a lot of things go nowhere. This is the worst way to combine households. Because mm-hmm. yeah. she's never oh, met these sure. three boys before. They line up to meet her and, you know, stand like Von Trapp kids. And, <laughs> and the names of these kids? Right, Holy weren't they all super religious? Yeah, Isaiah, Jacob, Jacob and Isaiah, Abraham. Abraham. Fuck, <laughs> biblical reference, red flag. Old Testament biblical names, yeah. double red flag. And his Ooh. name is Adam. And of course we find out later that her name is Lilith. And that has a whole... This movie is Agent Mulder tours the red flag factory. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie explains less, speaking of Adam and Lilith, than Evangelion does. So... <laughs> I thought you were going to say X-Files, which is also true. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, actually, X-Files explains more than Evangelion does, so... And when we get to it, I'm going to need to... No, I don't understand any part of David Duchovny's plan in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Again, things that go nowhere. That one goes nowhere um, very fast, though. Very quickly goes <laughs> I mean, yeah. It starts on a strong foot. I will say about I will say that about the movie is that it starts on the strong foot. It it um you know the 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 relationship with Lily and her mom it's it's very genuine. You know David Duchovny is David Duchovny. Like there's no other way you can really look at him. David Duchovny though definitely was a member of the fraternity from Black Christmas. Mm. Spoilers: Duchovny's the fucking bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> Duchovny. Yeah. You can tell the it, guy but... who creeps you the fuck out every second he's on screen is the bad guy. There you go. As soon as yeah. you walk in, you can tell that this is going to be the the bad guy. I mean, um, I, and why I, the I mother it was up in the air between him and Isaiah for a minute there? Because like the oldest son, Isaiah, is a little on the creepy side too, and also some of his creepiness is not explained in this movie. In in nope. cases that are the, very another important. Ele- another thing. Uh, there's a lot about Isaiah that goes nowhere. Oh yeah, and you know, so mm-hmm. we have the three brothers, it. Isaiah, who's the repressed older one, and then we have the the middle, moderately friendly one, and then the young, soft one. <laughs> None of them matter. Yeah. No, yeah, None they of them don't really matter. Important. And it's just an immediately creepy household uh, um, to enter. And you have to ask the question of why this mom doesn't feel that, doesn't understand that, and so an puts enormous her enormous fucking house. Puts yeah. her, I'll her tell child you why in I, that. I'll tell you why I had to cover the pegged as the villain instead of the kids. It was fucking like Lucifer, like old school, like police procedural rules where whenever an actor that you recognize shows up that person is definitely the killer because why would you <laughs> that actor if you don't want to see them do like killer villain stuff law and order messed mm-hmm. me up on this one once when they had well i guess he was still a bad guy but like ludicrous was in, like in a two episode arc and i was like ah well, ludicrous had to... he's coming back for more mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is an actor i recognize that's got to be your bad guy hired David Duchovny for this movie to not see him go full creepy bad guy. Can we also talk about, Jeremy, you mentioned that the house is huge. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the fun thing they did where the house goes from day to night as you're looking at the stained glass windows and it flashes to nighttime with this like very dramatic classical music playing in the background. (laughs) You get this automatic gothic feeling from the house. And so you think, well, maybe there's gonna be something to do with this house. Again, it's another thing that seems to go nowhere. I have in my notes about the house, the roof has no leaks. 
but maybe religion though <laughs> well by now we're in 2020 so now there are definitely no flood there's no rain in california anymore yeah. yeah well i don't think this is i think this is a new england setting in this one is it i i feel like it is because the trees are turning and the houses like, are definitely more new england for sure yeah, but they do, and it's interesting because at the very beginning, like the 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 little clip with our uh, first three witches, they mentioned something about climate change that yeah. was notable. This movie really isn't horror, and it definitely isn't New England horror, which has a very specific feel. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of Halloween was filmed in California, but they used a lot of fake leaves. <laughs> just yeah. like a lot of the like the neighborhoods they're walking through felt a little more california foliage, than new england foliage can do a lot like i lived in mm-hmm. california for three years and honestly the thing that kind of messed me up the most that made me feel out of sorts from being on the east coast was all the plants were different yeah so <laughs> this was filmed in toronto of course it was everything's filmed. Filmed. oh yeah <laughs> any town right. usa toronto yeah. <laughs> Yeah, also, the, the one thing I do remember location-wise is that she does say that uh, Mommy Monahan is a psychiatrist from New Jersey. She's from Jersey. Okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, did have, I did have problems with someone from New Jersey representing the West. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering about that as well. <laughs> that leads me to an entirely different question about the ending now that, you know, we're not in California. But all right. So the family's getting adjusted um, and they're getting adjusted to living with one another. And Lily hears like some screaming, like some very violent screaming. And my first thought oh. is, please don't open that door. You do not want to see what your mom and your new stepdad are doing. However, and somehow. She- it's worse. It's even worse because she walks in on middle brother. I don't know which brother. It I is. don't know which brother it is. It's, too quick. it's brother with a snake in his room. And I gotta say, this movie has less than a percentage of the amount of snakes that are in the original. That's an unfair. <laughs> that's an unfair comparison, though. We, like we did gloss over our first snake already. There is this, there there is a few snakes. But goddamn, if you came here expecting the snake-filled legacy of the that the snake element of the original to be maintained, sorry, snake fans, look elsewhere. If you're a herpetologist, is that nope? That's lizards, isn't yes. it? Yes. No, that's oh, it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. you're herpetologist. a fan of. If you're a real herp head, um, <laughs> you're gonna. I don't know about that one. It's <laughs> a like, herpy. Though, if you're a herpy. <laughs> If nope. someone came to me and was like, Ben, we want you to like do another craft movie, one of my first thoughts would be like, all right, this thing's going to have so many fucking snakes. Everyone is a snake. All the characters are snakes. <laughs> That's how we're redoing it. Okay, yeah. so get back to what he's listening to. This is a very religious household, but are we <laughs> to assume that his dad, creepy and, you know, men's rights activist-ish as he is, would be okay with him listening to this violent sounding pornography like it just it's it's extremely violent and i don't want to yuck anybody's yum but it sounds like someone is being murdered not the only thing i thought that it could be was that it was the oldest brother doing that so other people would hear to affirm his heterosexuality but that is a big assumption on my part I that made me think that oh this person is a villain because playing porno just full volume that's a sociopath move that is yeah. not that is just like hey new family that moves in listen to my porno at full blast what you gonna do about it? I'm like <laughs> you, oh god that's 
this person's the villain now. They're helping. You clearly, read my parentheses. Get some headphones, kid. There is some sort of room here for boys will be boys. I think in terms of this in in this environment of you know what David Duchovny, why David Duchovny, Daddy Duchovny would be allowing his sons to be like projecting like murder porn across a house. I'm just imagining Duchovny now, just like at like reading the morning newspaper, sipping coffee, three teenage boys worth of pornography just playing at full volume in the oh. house. Uh, I don't feel well. Yeah, um, it's bad. Yeah. It's All bad. Right. I don't <laughs> like it either. But that's what this fucking movie has forced me to confront. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we just have to like assume. We'll also find out later that uh, Daddy Duchovny goes on business trips throughout this movie for like a week or two at a time. And we only really notice because every time he comes back in, he's like, yeah, I've been gone for a week. Yeah. It's like, and and yeah, little brother says, wow, welcome back from your business trip, dad. <laughs> We were so good on your business trip. Okay, so Lily goes to school, first day of school, completely bleeds through her pants, but doesn't just bleed through her pants. She bleeds through her pants and it starts dripping onto the floor and it's everyone's worst nightmare of what will happen if you bleed through your pants on your period. Um, Timmy points it out and is like, ew, gross. Timmy is this jock type guy sitting behind her and um, she gets up and runs out of the room. Now. I have been a high school teacher for 14 years and I can tell you that no matter how new this new girl's status is, if there were a girl sitting near her with a jacket of some sort, they would not have let her let leave the room covered in blood. Like who would, who would do that? Tim, yeah. That- like everyone just sits there and watches her. It also seems strange, like the reaction to her future coven members, like they keep doing these glances at each other. Like, it's almost like you could see they're thinking like, is she our fourth? Not, we need to help this girl who right. is clearly having, yeah, that was who needs a sweatshirt. Like, oh, that, get that's her a sweatshirt. We we're looking for that. We'll call the we're... corners later, get her a sweatshirt. Yeah, right. Like, this is maybe back up for it being in California because nobody just has a sweatshirt or jacket that they brought to school. <laughs> I, uh, I suppose no, so. Like, not even the not a Catholic school either. Like this is, this is now completely secular maybe. We're yeah. not sure. I just, you know, as but... the teacher, I would have been like, hang tight right there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Gotten this child something to help her get out of there without making a complete mess. Um, so she goes to the restroom where weird, uh, what did you call her? Leopard, the other leopard three witch? are so excited. Leopard yeah. print Frankie. Leopard print. Yeah. Frankie congratulates her on her heavy flow. <laughs> it's like, man, you got some real heavy flow. And they I was getting good. something to celebrate. They are getting... in full recruitment mode. Yeah. Right <laughs> At least one of these girls, and it's definitely Frankie, is eventually going to get involved in a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> I was going to say, she already sounds like the uh, Microsoft Office paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> I see you're having a problem there. <laughs> I see you have a heavy flow. Congratulations. Would you like to help with that? Um, and that is sort of foreshadowing, I guess, to the fact that Lily becomes the uh, water of the um, four elements. That's it. Okay. That's what I, that. that's how I wrote it. Oh, uh, the elements. How did we feel about the elements? In the first movie, it seemed like this kind of spiritual thing. And here, they're just straight out benders. <laughs> I did like that they they had like real powers, but I think we'll get to that. It, it did change the atmosphere of the movie significantly. Yes. 
And I think that, you know, if there was more, I mean, again, like Jeremy said, if there was a mini series and you had an episode where each character you know, developed their, their firebending uh, or whatever, you know, through some more atmospheric, like symbol symbolism that was, you know, kind of sort of there in the original movie, but they, you know, there was, there was a lot of atmosphere in the original movie that just kind of stopped that gap. That's definitely one of, I feel like the differences in the movies is that in the first one, I always felt like there was this like suspension of disbelief with their spells. Like there was something like where you could interpret it in a way that wasn't magic. It was all like, you know, very much like illusions and dreams. Whereas they have straight up superpowers in this movie. Um, they can stop time. Yeah. Yeah, that's their first spell. Their first spell is stopping time. That's that an just entire seems like a movie weird premise. Jump. All time stopping witches is a movie all on its own, right? If, well, they get to stopping time after they do the communicating with one another. Oh, That's yeah. how they figure out that she's their fourth, right? Because um, they give her some shorts, she goes back to class or to the hallway or something like that. And Timmy that's, is gross. That's the next yes. day. That oh, Timmy is, is that the is next gross. day that Timmy yeah. is gross? Because Timmy. between now and then, she will go home and her pants will be magically washed by a mystery figure. That we do not know who it is. And of course, this goes nowhere. Yeah, like I'm only going to assume Steve company. Isaiah doing sleep laundry. Okay. So <laughs> or that. So doing we have sleep a way laundry? of connecting a few of those. Like, Emily, you say it's Daddy Duchovny? Yes, I say it's Daddy Duchovny because there are two. So this would be a second instance of the use of sympathetic magic in the film. Now, sympathetic magic, if uh, folks aren't familiar, if listeners aren't familiar, refers to being able to, to cast a spell on somebody or have power over somebody using something from their body. It was similar to the in Black Christmas with uh, all the items. That, it's similar to what they do later. And what they do later, yeah. And, that, and that's why when I saw that, it made sense to me that, okay, so Daddy Duchovny or one of his minion sons, his like home improvement sons. I'm just desperate to find a not horrifyingly creepy explanation. Yeah, it's I, like the way it's done in the movie is like they're definitely that. going to answer that question. Like her, her pants just show up washed and clean on her bed. And she's like, oh, thanks, mom. And mom's like, what? I didn't wash your pants. And then we never talk about it again. Yeah. Would she have put those pants in a communal laundry room, though, is the question. Exactly. In a house oh. in a house Would that she's she unfamiliar with with three pants? boys. Because did we get to the actual title of David Duchovny's book yet? The oh, no, 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 no. The Crisis yeah. of Masculinity? Oh, I the hallowed, hallowed Masculinity. Hallowed Masculinity. Hallowed masculinity. Oh. But Red flag. I was telling Jeremy that I wouldn't have kept those pants, like, period. I would have... <laughs> period <laughs> i would have literally thrown them away at school and i no one would have ever seen those pants again but timmy was gross timmy was gross so timmy uh, like grabs her shoulder and he's like you got bad cramps i hear sex works for that or something like that yeah. and she's like back off chump and he flies into a locker and the oh, yeah. administration or the teachers or whoever like whatever adults in the situation their response is both of you get detention. Both the kid who did not actually touch the other kid. Okay, so maybe she did. I didn't see it. But the kid who got thrown into a locker, you get detention. And the kid who was just standing there, also detention. We're not going to ask any questions about it. It's weird. <laughs> Had I, I seen this? Had I observed one kid flying into the lockers? I don't think my first thought would be, both of you, detention. Like, that's what I want to do with my afternoon. They, oh, I think it's a throwback to the 90s as well. Timmy is very much- They just didn't know how to deal with that. 
the Chris Hooker of this movie, but so, so much more difficult to talk about. I think yeah. Daddy Duchovny is the Chris Hooker of this movie. I was going to say that. Yeah, Timmy is, Timmy is something else. Ugh. Although they did a really good job, I think, of making, of, of casting somebody that was like approximate to Skeet Ulrich to sort of fake us out. Yeah. Is, is uh, Timmy the Breck and Meyer of this movie? Timmy's like the... There is no analog for Timmy. There I is don't no think. analog for There's... Timmy. He transforms from like Chris Hooker to Wade. So, the, so we're skipping I don't ahead. know what the trope of redeemed by mind control is. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say is uh, we, we've skipped what transformed him. And that is that after coming together and, you know, they like whisper to one another tele- like telepathically and they're like, you're our fourth. So they decide we're going to do some spells. So they go to Timmy's house to fix him. They break in. They steal some semen from him. From a used condom, which is an important... <laughs> <laughs> an important detail for 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 semen theft yes and then they Wait, have they stopped time yet that have we got some time before that uh, yeah have uh, we gotten to the craft of Zawado? Yeah, yeah so, they've, they've already discovered that they can stop time like that's you know they look up and the birds and are not flying through the sky the so camera they, is oh. so fucking spinny through this scene yeah, there, there's there's a spinny camera effect again, which is another one off the checklist. There's also there's there's some of that important um, dialogue that we talked about earlier with uh, Lords talking about her magic because they were talking about you know well we're witches and we can have you know we're magic because we're girls we have babies, you know that's some Ridley Scott shit which I thought was a bit of a weird way to describe um, the uh, I mean there's some trope negativity there but um you know then they then that's where we reveal that lords is trans and she says that you know trans girls have their own magic and yeah i i still am trying to wrap my head around the childbirth and carrying children being some ridley scott shit you know they they rip out of your womb like uh like an alien i think is what they're going for there Um, yeah it just i mean i figured that society is way too patriarchal when our model for motherhood is Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be indicative of another problem that this movie has, um, which we can talk about later. But for a movie that's supposed to be about four teenage girls, it spends a lot of time talking about Temi and Daddy Duchovny. Like they play yeah. an outsized role um, in this, which is part of what was for me disappointing. But at this point, I was still in love with the movie. I still thought it was pretty cute because when they decide to fix Timmy, they decide to do like a spell to have him be his highest self, not to make him be good or make him be this or make him be that, but to be the best Timmy that he can be. That is what they're, they're saying. Okay. Did anyone else think since they were doing it in the bong and saying be his highest self, he was just going to be permanently stoned as shit? I was worried that it was going to be a real monkey's paw situation. Yeah. <laughs> My notes say, how is this going to break bad? <laughs> exactly. And then it doesn't. Like, this well, is this the- is a real, you'll never guess the answer moment for this question. <laughs> how does this yeah. break bad? Well, objectively happier is a better person who is also much happier there's a lot to unpack it's again yeah so along with along with transforming timmy they also do uh establish that they can stop time uh that they can float 
that they can shoot fire from their fingertips to erase graffiti off of lockers, which is, is where the real like fire bending element of this comes in. It gets well, real. I love that because she's trying to like undamage the locker, but now instead of having Sharpie on it, there's just like bird craters in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's better than like slurs. True. And the the thing about this particular montage after that, you know, as they're gaining um, uh, confidence uh, with their powers and sort of, and it's again, it's a montage where they're like, oh, I guess they can, oh, they can see auras. Oh, we can see their auras. Oh, they can fly and stop time and, and fire. Um, and they do a ritual right in the middle of the cafeteria, which I'm like, well, that's ballsy. This um, definitely, <laughs> right? in, the ne- in the Netflix series version of this, this definitely would have been like, a middle string of episodes where they're developing their powers and each of the other three gets a focus episode on like yeah. their stories. Like Sailor yeah. Moon. But they actually talk about, first of all, the one thing that I, I noted here that was very important to me was that they don't talk about Menon. They do talk about the goddess and they talk about the maid, mother and crone, which, you know, again, we talked a lot about Wicca in the last episode and, and, you know, where all that came from and, and the, the folk magic association. But I thought it was important that now their deity is female mm, or, yes. you know, a femme. Yeah. I mean, the triple goddess and, you know, whatever goddesses, you know, have their own meanings that can go all sorts of places. But I was just really happy that it wasn't like power derived from a male deity that, you know, and and they they didn't talk about any specifics. And, you know, and as as the understanding of Wicca has developed and paganism and all that kind of stuff, you know, these ideas of these archetypes becomes more important than names and, you know. The the uh, the previous I did do some research on the um, the the witch consultants of this movie and we'll get to that later. But the the woman that was the uh, the witch consultant for the original craft movie talked about how she wanted the the characters to establish their own magic rather than basing something directly off of an existing tradition. And so I felt like that was somewhere that you know I wish the movie did more of, but I felt like it was going in a really awesome direction with that. I think this speaks to more current magic practices too, where it's kind of divorced from legacy, as it were. Um, <laughs> it's more about embodying maiden, mother, and crown and less about worshiping any kind of particular deity too. Because it seems like this whole movie is just focused on empowering them, albeit in very flawed ways. Yeah. At least for the first half of the movie. Yeah, compared to the first movie, it definitely is. Elisa still has a much better handle on these girls like having power and having agency and not punishing them for for it. Well, Daddy Duchovny tries. Well, he does. At least he's like explicitly the villain and not like the omniscient hand of the move of like the film. Yeah, can we talk about the scene where Daddy Duchovny decides that he's I guess has come home from one of his trips and decides he's going to punish her for fighting with Timmy? Poor poor Timmy. And it's just like you apparently beat up this kid that's a full two feet taller than you. We're going to have an important talk about, you know, what you, you do and you can't go out and stuff. And boy, mom just kind of sits there and lets it happen, uh, which I think yeah. both Alicia and I were like, after Duchovny walks out, she's like, thanks, mom. And both of us yeah. are like, oh, good. This is Somebody recognizes went- that that was fucked up. Yeah, this is definitely when I went back and I'm like, mm, I may have to revisit that. My this is a good mom note. Yeah, she might not be that mm-hmm. good. Um, I'm I have two step parents, and this would never have happened, um, in this way. And both of my step parents have known me since I was very young. So. 
they both felt like they could tell me stuff. <laughs> they both felt like they could parent me, but that would have been a much bigger fight in the moment had my parents not been on the same page about how to parent. And one of them decided that they were going to take it upon themselves to do that. It seemed, yeah, it seemed incredibly out of place and her mom's reaction didn't make any sense. I feel like a lot of my notes are screenplay edits. So it would make (laughs) more sense if they had had a conversation without her and came in together. Yes. We don't believe in violence and that's really bad. And that's when Lily fights against her mom of like, what the fuck, mom? Why aren't you defending me? And she's like, we've decided together as a family that this isn't okay. Yeah. Because we're both, you know, we're both in, in the realm of like self-improvement and therapy. This makes sense. Like to kind of get gaslit by, by a lot of that nonviolent yes. content. And this is where yeah. it really reminded me of that Buffy episode um, with um, John Rutter, mm. where he's mm-hmm. like, young lady, I'm going to be disciplining you because I'm putting my foot down because I'm the man of the house now. And whether or not he's correct that she should not have been fighting at school. I mean, he never asked why she pushed this boy and neither did her mom, which was really, you know, she was like, well, she said she was defending herself. Like that was a really weird fight to have in front of your kids. Yeah. And there's no question of like, you're, are you okay? Because you were defending yourself from from someone. And then Duchovny has his apology later on, but I feel like that was just an excuse to slip in a Brady Bunch reference. Because he works in, like, I've been, like, I've been busy with three boys of my own. Like, and I'm like, mm, it's not just a Brady Bunch. I didn't even oh, notice I didn't that. Catch that. Yeah. Was that like a weird nod to Christine Taylor playing Lizzie in the first movie? <laughs> I, <laughs> like a really long know. stretch of like, this is very clever. They'll it felt like that. a Duchovny ad lib where he's just like, I'm going to make a Brady Bunch reference. And no one was like, all right, fuck it, fine, David, do what you want. This is why I think that David Duchovny, and I am almost calling him Daddy Duchovny, thank you, Jeremy, where I think You're he welcome. is very much the Chris Hooker character. Because yeah. in each scene, he's given a different motivation. <laughs> and while he delivers his lines well, each time you're like, this character is not at all consistent. Like, not at all two consistent. Seconds, not even he's a like little bit. He's cool dad, you know, cool stepdad, making silly jokes. Like, oh, he's just like the corny antagonist. No, like, how does then you get all the red flags? Of 10 episodes where like this is a developing relationship between the two of them and like she continues to get creeped out and you know he seems to be making some strides to go the right direction and then turns out to be a bad guy like that wouldn't feel as much like it just doesn't make sense like it's a different guy coming in every time yeah the pacing of that arc and like even at every point in it doesn't make any sense gets explicitly evil it's like oh now he's a cult leader don't worry we're never gonna bring that up again yeah so in the meantime uh, because of their spell, Timmy seems to be becoming his highest self. Uh, they're sitting in class and learning about sex. And one of his buddies was making like gross jokes. And Timmy his is Breckenmeyer. like- His Breckenmeyer. His yeah, yeah. And Timmy is like, yeah. there he is. teacher, like we're all trying to learn here. And he's being disgusting and making people uncomfortable. This is absolutely inappropriate. And they're all like, oh, oh, snap, Timmy's woke. I have Which, woke Timmy with two exclamation points. Yes, woke Timmy, uh, you know, woke Timmy shows up in the chat and um, <laughs> it's really hard to remember that 
he is not entirely in control of this personality change. And you want to think, girls, you you done a bad right now, but woke Timmy seems to be living a good life, you know, it hanging is- out with his girls. He's happy. He's talking. Yeah, well, Timmy is objectively better for his community and for himself. But I love how he becomes very... part of the squad. Sorry. Yeah. I just wish he had done it under his own free will. Yes. That's, yeah, that's where you get into that, the mess of spells of like, you're not supposed to do things to people against their consent. So yes. even though he's, he's become this really amazing person, it's like, this is non-consensual woke Timmy. It's the best mental health treatment, but it's also like kind of dystopian. Mm. Yeah. Especially when, you know, he starts hanging out with the girls um, and he sneaks off to hang out with them and they start playing two truths and a lie. And he- They're very bad at- They're very bad Nobody at two seems truths to and a lie. Um, and he comes <laughs> out to them as bi and reveals that he hooked up with uh, oldest brother, which is why oldest brother is so weird and creepy. Well, possibly why oldest brother is so weird and creepy. One um, reason why. Yeah. And you just, you absolutely feel for him at this point. Um, at some point, is it? I cannot remember. He's middle brother's best friend, so he yes. can't yeah. tell him. And there's a distance between them now. And, and I cannot remember if at this point they had already been to the party. Had they already yeah. been to Timmy's but, party? Yes, they had. So he had already they just yeah. talking about Princess Nokia and how yes, he's just such a fan of her politics. Which like the, everybody's fashion in that party was great. Yes, um, there was a really weird cut at one point where they, I think they were. They just cut out when she said semen or come or, you know, whatever she was yeah. referring to as his bodily fluid. But, uh, you know, I do think that woke Timmy was, you know, at first he seemed a little bit cartoony. Yeah. But the development happened as it did, which, right. you know, didn't there was a lot of cognitive dissonance there. It's definitely not ethical to magically change someone's personality and then hook up with that changed person. And and that's, you know, at this point, she finds out that his mother has passed. She finds out that he uses a Ouija board to communicate with his mom. Um, she finds out that there's a lot more to Timmy and, you know, hurt people hurt people. So possibly one of the reasons why he was such a jerk is because he was you know hurt and messed up in his own right you know he was hiding his his relationship with Isaiah he'd been rejected by Isaiah he was keeping the secret from his best friend he's still grieving the loss of his mother at a very young age and dealing with that trauma and so you know there's a lot that comes out there but one of the things that I think is interesting that I wrote down in my notes about Princess Nokia being um you know on the playlist is that um she famously punched a guy at a concert that was talking nasty to her and said, that's what you do when a white boy disrespects you. So it kind of like lines up with, you know, (laughs) Lily having pushed Timmy earlier. And now Timmy's like, actually, I really like Princess Nokia. And I really like her. (laughs) I really like her politics. Um, I didn't know that. So that's a good catch. An absolutely like groundbreaking character, like, an example of overcoming toxic masculinity, what healthy masculinity, healthy like queerness, like openly bi, like he could be a character like that could mean so much to people if any of it came through his own free will. Yes. And also if he didn't die within six hours of coming out. I do love that this movie has a trans main character, but what happens to Timmy is pure barrier gaze. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, barrier, sort of barrier contextually in the story, like it's, intentionally. So exactly because so he comes out and then Lily casts a love spell on him and makes out with him. Uh, I want to go back to the two truths and a lie. Uh, what did we think of uh, Tabby's? Because uh, I thought that was an interesting moment for her when she did mm. the two troops in a lie. The, I wish I had more black friends. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was, I was, mm-hmm. I clapped. <laughs> I, was, I love y'all. I was very ha- happy to see the movie Thank at you. least call attention to itself like that. Yeah, she yeah. was like, y'all, she was like, y'all are cool, but you know, it'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> she also like doesn't Kevin, but I need more black two, friends. A two troops in a lie works. Um, yeah well at this point this is where i wrote my note um it's like this movie is apologizing for all of it the sins of the first one now with the 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 love magic she was she she lit a candle and did a chant and then took his sweater and then immediately started doing some heavy petting on herself i did think that that was a a little bit more of a gutsy move of the movie because the the sexuality of the characters in the first movie was totally used against them by each other and uh by the narrative so you know i thought that that was you know like a nice gesture but you know then then things happen he also lies about having his sweater which you know in that situation i might not on the mind control yeah. okay yeah it, it is not oh we did this spell and now he's changed and now i'm finding myself drawn to him and i know i shouldn't but he's just so nice doubling fucking down yeah. on mind control also this is the same uh series of, of scenes in the same night where they have dinner with uh daddy decovney and family which i guess uh timmy is a regular guest at dinner there he just sit, sits down and eats dinner with them uh and he offers to help like clear the table or help with some of the like preparing food or getting getting rid of food and like uh, the brothers and Duchovny all look at him and act like he has done something unforgivable by uh, somehow taking part in, in helping the mom or I guess who might not even be their mom at this point just live in girlfriend who is I don't know expected to do all of the uh cooking and cleaning and everything by herself pretty much yeah, yeah. what did I mean, you do before this would definitely be what oh, they did. daddy to would expect which is just and that's the reason why timmy had to die right because timmy was displaying signs of weakness weakness and being confused. yeah shit do they even know that timmy came out as bi i think th- he killed him over the fucking dishes didn't he, <laughs> <laughs> he because he got up and do the dishes like fucking Dakami had no goddamn idea that he hung up with his son. It's yeah, all unless the dishes. Isaiah, unless Isaiah fessed up to it at some point, and that's why he turned into a shadow that like sleepwalks. I don't think he knows anything about Isaiah, but like it seems to be either be like he somehow knows about the magic that they've done to Timmy, which yeah. seems possible in the eventual context of this movie. Though it's another thing they never explain. It goes nowhere. Grant Morrison still- would be proud of that magic. Or whatever that's worth chaos magic that's some that's some that was straight out of the invisibles right there that spell oh, it's also a thelema thing but anyway i don't i know very little about magic i just know comics <laughs> so i think alicia was going to mention uh isaiah yeah when, so in this weird scene where she, she, she wakes up she wakes up she looks in her mirror she sees a shadow in the mirror and this was the only thing in this entire movie that was anywhere approaching scary the the only horror movie scene in this horror movie is she wakes up and sees a shadow in her mirror and goes to go look at the shadow and then realizes that there is a shadow on her wall of something that is not in her room 
and she goes over and is about to touch it. And then the door opens, the light turns on, and the shadow is revealed to be Isaiah, who is maybe sleepwalking. This is never mentioned. His brother again. pulls him out and is like, oh, Isaiah, you're sleepwalking again. And she doesn't go, hey, he was a fucking shadow a minute ago. How did that happen? Nope. She goes, huh, weird. And like goes back to bed, I guess. Well, and, and how this and does scene... not put a chair under her door after that? Like how yeah. this scene wasn't cut is beyond me. Or I mean, there must have been yeah, like there must it, be it seemed like it was it. yeah, there was some sort of it was part of some sort of vignette there. But um did they feel they needed just like one jump scare and they like they were editing the movie and they're like, shit, guys, is there no scary moments in this at all? I don't know, fucking figure something out. Yeah, just like an a... insert for a tone shift. Somewhere yeah, there's a deleted I, scenes reel for this movie that is as long as the movie. Let's hope. <laughs> so let's hope. The next really. day, <laughs> next day, Lily and friends go to school. Don't seem to notice that Timmy's not there, but I feel like it's pretty obvious that Timmy did. And the teacher comes in and is like, guys, Timmy did. He just killed himself. Cause he, that's just something that you just tell the entire class. You just tell the entire class right there. Like, now, does yep. he say that he killed himself or does he? Just, yeah, like, they do. They say it, they think it's suicide or it looks like suicide or something yeah, like, like that. Who, who would announce it that way? Anyway, Lily runs out and she gets home and notices the crest. Is that when she first notices the crest that's in the library where the MRA books are? That's uh, yeah. That's later that evening, I think. Yeah, it's really dark in the house. And he's like, hey, let me... Having trouble sleeping? Let me, me too. Let me show you about this crest. It's got some snakes and some daggers. It's and actually sometimes pretty cool. He's like, people are afraid of snakes, but they actually symbolize rebirth. Ah, well, enough of that for tonight. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh, this is another thing that goes nowhere. It gives you some real, like, Task of Amontillado vibes, uh, where he's showing off his family crest, and it's supposed to mean something. The the imagery on the crest, and they don't explain it, which is they don't like, even come show on. it that well. Yeah, they see there's some snakes. You get on a good it, look at it. <laughs> yes, there was a there was a cup, and there was a dagger, and there was a snake, and there was a rod. Which so in it hermetic like magic, a Hogwarts thing. Hermetic magic tradition, which is what like Alistair Crowley, you know, coming back to him. A lot of these things, a lot of the paganism, because he he said a lot of things because he was on drugs a lot, and a lot of the things he said oh. people thought were cool. So a lot of these magical symbols that we see associated with paganism are sort of, uh, it's sort of ubiquitous through that. But the symbols on that crest were, uh, are Masonic symbols, Mm. um, which come from secret societies that mainly consist of old dudes, notably old European dudes, aka white dudes. You know, the spiritualism movement, the, uh, the Rosicrucian fellowship, the you know the freemasons of course you know and various other like secret societies like we see in in black christmas and you know fraternity like the kind of weird fraternity symbols that you see in in colleges and the fact that they have actual greek houses comes from this it is insidious that it's a male coded magic system not explained at all but those symbols and their their arrangement and the snake which is supposed to be a they say it's in pagan he says in pagan uh traditions it means rebirth you know in hermetic traditions it means a lot of of other shit 
and you know and a lot of that also had to do with secret societies that pr- like practice alchemy and stuff like that so a lot of it has yes that too i mean it's been it's been sort of dragged into that especially with the 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 snakes thanks david i no thanks go away forever yeah like that's what i was getting from that and that's sort of where i had the you know those ideas came up into my head that okay david duchovny's character also uses magic he's been monitoring lily and her Which friends in there was in the mirror i thought it was him watching her in the mirror and and maybe that was isaiah that that was some sort of confirmation that isaiah was watching them as well because i think she's sh- sh- he snitched on her about timmy before he was the one who told daddy duchovny about her altercation with timmy as you can see dear listener a lot of these things in this film we kind of have to like chart together on our own crazy clipboard because we it's a lot of it doesn't really have very clear connections so you know tweet us if you have any ideas about what's going on (laughs) because we don't uh jeremy what was the last thing that timmy texted her Timmy texted her to be continued dot 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 and David Duchovny ends their conversation with like huh to be continued and it has a real like oh I know something about this moment do it because it's not just a normal thing people say but yeah he, he ends the conversation with to be continued and she gives him a look like oh, what yeah and <laughs> then probably forgets so at this point I was really kind of confused you know I was looking at reviews and I was like why the reviews of this movie so bad it seems like it's going somewhere um and i feel like this is decidedly where this thing takes a turn for me i don't know about anyone else but yeah this is there's a shift at the after this for there's sure. a tonal shift mm-hmm. they go to timmy's funeral um lily confesses uh, what she's done and uh the other witches are like hey this is all your fault timmy died because of, uh, because of what we did and you made it extra worse and we're not even talking to you anymore. Um, and, and that's why he killed himself and it's your fault he killed himself. Um, she tries to talk to them, they won't talk to her. And her mom tries to talk to her. She's like storming out and she like, yeah, throws up her hand to her mom who I really thought that she had snapped her neck for a second there. Like <laughs> the violence with which she like spins around. Now that um, would have been a tonal shift. That would have been quite the shift. Oops. It's like, oops, you killed your mom. And yeah, so Lily starts snooping through Duchovny's stuff and finds out that she's adopted and that her name is Lilith. Oh. Do we want to talk about a, Lilith really quick? Please, let's talk about Adam's first wife, somewhere? Lilith. I think it's really gross that Adam's first wife is named Lilith. And Lilith is his stepdaughter in this movie. That's just a... Well, I'm glad we've been calling him David Duc- Daddy Duchovny this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also want to mention that, as with the coven, one of the things about their sort of breakdown with each other around uh, Timmy's death is that when they initially cast that spell on timmy to make give you know make him his best self or whatever they all kind of talked together and they said you know this may not been a great idea you know we've this is a lot you know this our our powers might get out of control so we're gonna have this agreement which is already huge leaps and bounds past the relationship that the characters had in the first movie you know they they actually communicate with each other where they're like okay we're not going to do anything else without talking to each other first 
And so that was the issue that they had with Lily doing the uh, the love spell because she didn't talk to them first. And so, you know, they all, I felt like there was a sort of sense that they were all blaming themselves and they were also upset with her for breaking that agreement with them. You know, and I think there was also a thing where Frankie was into woke Timmy, but that they didn't Frankie dwell on the jealousy. also into the middle brother in another storyline that went nowhere. Yeah, well, I think Frankie was just, you know, she's out there, she's interested, sure, go Frankie with her leopard print. And her bad knees. I want Frankie to live her best life, but that would require a storyline to go somewhere. I know, right? I want Frankie to be my grandma. Like, Frankie is... Frankie Frankie is going to be such a good grandma one day. She's going to be a great grandma one day. (sighs) Fortunately, I know a lot of Frankies, so I love you. I love you Frankies out there. So let's talk about who Lilith is, uh, where that name comes from. Is there anybody who's like, I mean, yeah, I was like, is there anybody who's like super familiar with It comes from the the apocryphal books of the Bible. Yes. First. Well, it's. You mean the New Testament? Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> um, the sequel yeah, that I, I was like, it's not really count. the Bible that I, I would say it comes from, but um, yeah, so she was made from the same clay as Adam, right? So this wife yes. was not; she was created on her own. She was all misindependent over there, and Lilith wasn't a good wife. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't do what she was supposed to do. She wasn't a good listener. It might have been a succubus. I don't know. The jury's out on that. The Middle Ages were a hell of a time. Yeah, Yeah. so she refused to be subservient and ends up getting expelled from the Garden of Eden. And I guess Adam was like, listen, I need a new companion, but can you please make this one like... Chill. Chill. Could she just fucking be chill? Can she just... For once. According to some translations of that story, Lilith would not be a bottom. And that's why she was uh that that's why adam was pissed off you know it really it really reminds me of vashti right like the story of vashti is pretty much the same one basically ahasuerus was like hey my boys are here come dance for us make us sandwiches and she was like nah i'm sleeping it's like 4 a.m go away then he was like i need a new wife bring me women so i can try them all out like is this a this is i guess a recurring theme yeah Um, i mean so resurrection but (laughs) (laughs) and Uh, rebirth at an ouroboros (laughs) yes well the um and lilith ultimately you know according to the you know certain legends and or certain scripture she was punished to uh she was banished to the land of nod and so she created the lilim which were all like demons and stuff so she was she was she essentially became a demon and weren't red shoes involved in this story somewhere? That's a different David Duchovny Isn't that series. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, she's also Vampirella's mom, having written Vampirella. Oh. And one also of the like three different mythologies around Vampirella's origin, she is the daughter of Lilith. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by how much I was able to pick up just by watching the show Lucifer. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a really rough time because a lot of my Adam and Lilith lore comes from Evangelion. So I'm like, well, Lilith <laughs> came onto, well, that was the first impact and Adam came in the second impact. And then... Look, all I'm trying to say is that this short haired girl is going to crash into the earth and kill millions. <laughs> and, you know, ultimately become the arbiter of the third, the, the third impact. If only there had been some man to give her a snake and tell her that this was going to happen. Well, thanks for listening to our mini podcast. 
or our mini podcast, uh, Evangelion Watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are there progressive things to Evangelion? Who the fuck knows? Listen, I have a, I have an, a degree. I have a, a, a minor that I did not declare in Evangelion. So, you know, <laughs> um, if we want to talk about progressively Evangelion, um, <laughs> that could be a different project, but um, human progression project. Anyway, so <laughs> Lilith. So back to Lilith. So Lilith, who is being called Lily, which is just a very interesting name change uh, to take Lilith to Lily. Um, you know, she is really spiraling here she's lost her friends she's lost her mom she's lost her love interest um she's not she's not having a good time um love interest slash victim slash victim yeah, yeah mom, mom tells Daddy the company that she just she needs to focus on lily for a while yeah so she comes home and discovers mom packing up the car and she's like we're out your, your differences are dangerous and we've got to get away. And she's like, my mommy always says my difference is my power. And then she headbutts her, the thing that appears to be her mom. And it turns out to be Daddy Duchovny. And we got one hell of a transformation special effect. <laughs> I don't remember it that well. I just remember that he was... It is the first Blade movie levels of CGI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just assume that that's his wanky magic. Like, his, it's just magic is that bad. The special effects just look bad. I yeah. feel like David Duchovny's glamour is just a brand of, like, cologne that I don't want. <laughs> Maybe he was so, like, homophobic about the glamour that he was, he just couldn't do it right because he couldn't bring himself to say glamour without feeling gay. Or was really self-conscious about making himself look like a woman so that he could trick I'm so into this idea now that he doesn't even, that, it's, that it really was all about the dishes. For that to die. I'm so into this headcanon now. It adds up. <laughs> didn't bury the queers they they buried the dish doers look, yeah him look david Duchovny killing him for being bi relies on information that we don't get on screen mm-hmm. him killing him over the dishes everything we need is textual and on screen for that interpretation <laughs> there we go um, the explanation yeah. i came up with goes back to emily's point about sympathetic magic like when he washed her period jeans he established some weird connection with her but I definitely just want to go with Ben's theory. Yeah. <laughs> it was all about the dishes. Comparatively. It's so, not warlock power. It's just anger. At- it's the uh, the hot fuzz reason. So, Watch hot fuzz. Meanwhile, the rest of the coven is like, we got to give up our powers. Like, we're really no better than Lily. We just, we're going to bind ourselves up. Bind, 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 bind. Oh, the Ouija board is moving. And this is the part that really bothered me. The Ouija board was pointing to letters instead of circling letters. And Freddie is like, oh my gosh, it says he murdered me. Now, it doesn't say he murdered me. Daddy Duchovny murdered me. Timmy, it's Timmy who's talking to you right now. I'm the one who's been murdered. Because I feel like one, did they know that he was into Ouija boards? Did he have that conversation? I think only Lily had that conversation. What I like is when they ask him like, who is it? And they go like, T? I am. It's Ti. It's Ti. It's Timmy. <laughs> they they did uh, his Ouija board in his room because they were all like, "Whoa, crazy! He has a Ouija board." Ghost Timmy Ooh. is like again. I do love the idea of Timmy 
just being this whole healthy view of masculinity, but it just doesn't work with how we got there. Yeah. And he's not even mad about it though. Like you, you would think that now that he's a ghost, he's like, oh snap, they totally magicked me. Well, it was probably for the best. Let me let them know that. <laughs> is his ghost still under this woke spell? Probably. <laughs> I, I mean, def- as a ghost, he's definitely his highest. Again, I know it's well, firmly <laughs> anti-mind control, but also he's such a better person. And I hope the spell stays even for ghost Timmy. Because again, he's just a way better and way happier. If you could do a spell on Donald Trump to make him his highest self, would that be morally and ethically sound? I think this is it. I think we're seeing his highest self. This is as good as he gets. Yeah, yeah no, this there's, is, uh, there's I mean, no I'm sure he's that. high as hell all the time. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, good point. I mean, I feel like it's a different argument because now it's like, it, for him, it's less like, oh, can he be a worthwhile person? And more like, is this the only way he's going to comprehend the weight of his crimes and thus feel guilty? Like, is this making him better as punishment? I think that like implosion Angel? is the only like kind uh, of the indigo lantern deal. He just implode. Like it's so, just so much weight. So Lily wakes up and she's outside in the woods. On a back lot somewhere. Somewhere. And David Duchovny's eyes are going back and forth between being all black and like normal human eyes. And he's like the cult. Did we even cover like No, we didn't talk about the snapping cult. We did. He had a little snapping cult meeting. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I was really expecting them to show up. Mm -hmm. That, as you can imagine, goes nowhere. (laughs) They might not be connected to magic at all. It might just be a support group with costumes. Yeah, it is unclear whether that is an MRA support group or a group of MRA warlocks. Um, Like, it goes nowhere, so it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, well, I I felt like it was just a support group, but like David Duchovny was using his his magic to be like extra supportive quote unquote i don't know like it was just the only way that he people would give a shit about what he had to say was because he was using magic to- extra money adam reveals that he took her real mother's power and now he wants her power but i thought that at the end of the craft nancy's power was taken by i don't know i thought like didn't see yeah, man, found her and then took away yeah. her power so maybe Nancy had power without the invocation of Menon. It's they do mention Menon here, but only David yeah. Duchovny as the mom mentions Menon, and in um, Lily seems just as mystified as you know she she should be. Yeah, she does the Star Lord who <laughs> squints. Um, eh? What? What are you talking about? Not mom. That whole bit about David Duchovny stealing the power from her mother i totally miss that so and does that make him her father well here's is the either, f- yeah is he her father or there is was some sarah from the original and it's the mega twist that nobody got oh man that would be like I next level just honestly. following all the threads that go nowhere i'm giving myself a whole new movie. yeah we I, got mean, it. I, get, I mean let's get ready for the craft omega verse i would yeah that. <laughs> or i i thought you know maybe maybe lily's dad is manon somehow impregnated it's an anakin skywalker midichlorian type kind of, of, oh God. Kind of preferential virgin to birth. the what would be the other explanation for uh her mother getting pregnant yeah which is so, the explanation apparently according as a to jewish person i'm so glad my go-to example for virgin birth was anakin skywalker and not <laughs> <laughs> of all the virgin birth she tries anakin to fight died for your sins 
And she has to agree to give up her powers in yes. order for him to take them, which apparently Nancy did, which doesn't seem to track, but... Yeah. It really doesn't like, seem like I, a Nancy thing to do. I can't take your powers, but I can bind you. Punch, punch, punch. I'm going to beat you up. And then time stops, and the coven shows up. And what? then he's all like, hey. Yeah, yeah, like power or uh, battles without honor and humanity. Plays. Yeah. And they're all like, he's all like, you girls shouldn't be out in the woods at night. There's a lot of weirdos out here. And they're like, we are the weirdos. Check. Mister. And I was really expecting him to be like, except no, I've got other weirdos. But his weirdos never showed up. So <laughs> what good was that? Uh, um, I had in my notes for this whole fight scene, it's like, I too remember the 2005 Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you're yes. the one. And it really, and this shift here, like beca- them glowing and changing into different, like they had different colors and they all start chanting and glowing. And then they like combine their powers, like some sort of, you know, Marvel ultimate alliance. Type we, were, deal. Uh, we were one heart away from Captain Planet showing up. No, this is well. They needed heart. The elements of harmony working together here. This is some real friendship is magic shit going on, because like they walk up and start using magic, and he's like, "I'm just gonna throw you every which way. It's no problem for me. I'm a big deal warlock." And they're like, "Actually, we're all gonna use magic at the same time." And he's like, "No, I'm dead." <laughs> Power, thunder <laughs> force. It's it all works the same way. Did you say he was a uh, daddy, Duchovny? Oh. oh. So where do we find your writing, Ben? I just, we, I we need to know. <laughs> I mean, after that pun, I'm pretty sure in the trash. <laughs> I just really no. felt like at this point, I was like, wait, that's it. And we're done. And he's conquered. And it took, that's it. Okay. So we're done. Okay. So the movie's over. Great. Mm-hmm. Except. Except. They have one last thing to do. Michelle Monaghan, mom, wherever she has been tied up, uh, as, as DeCovney says, is like well now that now that my uh, partner has been revealed to be a warlock, we're who's, going to whose uh, eyes flash for no reason. His eyes yeah. keep flashing, he's, and he does nothing with his he's, flashing. He's eyes. also dead now. Mom has taken the news about she dated a warlock who tried to murder her daughter in stride. Although she is Which speaks to the CW to nature children of behind without yeah. a parent. Where what's yeah. going to happen to them three kids? <laughs> That's a good question. Isaiah needs some real therapy. I mean, all of them need therapy at this point. sent off to a a Dickensian workhouse somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the dudes in the the man cult adopt them. Maybe they go to school at a Catholic school in in LA and then there's a time paradox and then they become Skeet Ulrich's father and all of three of them apparently, I don't know. It's like three men and a (laughs) baby. I do just love the acceptance. Like it is straight up Frankie going like, "Hey, Mrs. Lily, you bang any good warlocks lately?" And she's yeah. just looking like, "Oh, Frankie, <laughs> right, silly goose." My head canon is that they just killed the kids. <laughs> With the, are they all the kids like turned into ashes? It's the kids like were the just like elements of David the, the Company that have been yeah. off. The kids were glamour. Yeah, like yeah. you killed the head monster, all like the minion monsters die. So maybe killing David Duchovny like causes his kids to die. It's Aww. just like the end of Lost Boys. Yeah. Yeah. 
You I kill guess. a head vampire, and then everybody else, all the other vampires die. Emily is about to say, there's some real moral issues here at the end, which is yeah. apparently her mom worked as a psychologist for this woman who ha- who was pregnant with a child she didn't want, who she thought was going to be cursed with powers. So she adopted her and moved somewhere else with her without letting her know that she was adopted. Also, her birth certificate does not list a father at all. And they never quite follow up on that. And so they decide to go on a road trip to go meet her mom, who, who we discover is... Who does not want is, to be met. Yeah, who does not want to be met. So you mean both of them make questionable decisions regarding people under their psychological care? Yeah, this is apparently a family trait, a non, <sighs> non-genetic family trait. Genetic family trait of don't get, don't get into inappropriate relationships with people whose mental state you're responsible for. Yeah, so they, yeah. they do then go meet her mom, who is Nancy Downs? It's Faruza Bach, who is still in a mental institution. Rocking that just, lip or the nose ring. Which is like the end of the movie, which is a terrible place to end this movie. It, it so reeks of like, oh, there's a third movie that they're going to make now. But I don't think that's going to happen considering this way this one was received. This would so well as the ending to a season one where like we already knew a season two was coming. Mm. As a sequel hook to a whole new movie? Ah, fuck, I don't know. A lot of the the articles that I found, at least on like Screen Rant or whatever, alluded to a Craft 3 and they're like, oh, this is a soft sequel to the Craft 3. And I, I mean, I don't buy it, but it certainly is not a complete work in and of itself. I was telling Alicia, like in my screenwriting brain as I was watching this, I was like, okay, what if them like, Fighting Duchovny is the middle of the movie and they're unable to beat him but are able to get away and then have to go seek out Nancy Downs to help them so they can come back and actually beat this guy now rather than them just, you know, deciding that they're friends so that they can beat the warlock. Um, And then, like, you know, Nancy is part of this second half of this movie instead of the last two seconds yeah i feel like you gotta lose the timmy storyline but let's be honest that storyline for as many great parts as it has is also completely fucked so yeah yeah yeah, i'm I'm good i'm good with this rewrite i'm on board the movie uh but it you know it leaves us with a lot of questions i mean there were so many things that went nowhere there was adam's cult dudes there were the pants there was the <laughs> meeting of the heavy flow. There There's was the, Adam's sons. They're Adam's gone. Adam's sons. Where's the shadows uh, that just show up? There's the crest, which... How does this affluent uh, author die and apparently nobody even questions his wife about it? They're just, everybody's just fine with the fact that he's been burned alive and, and there's no investigation whatsoever. Does woke Timmy pass like on to, to think, the other side or does he I'd just like to think there was the an investigation board? and once you have magical time stopping powers at the least of the things at your disposal, fucking what the hell are the cops going to do? You're untouchable. You can do any crime <laughs> you want at this point. Also, you how did Isaiah turn into a shame? Why? What's that all about? Does Nancy give her powers back now that, that Dave Duchovny is dead? Does Nancy, yeah, does Nancy Dave get the powers Dave back that are Dave. also still bound? Yeah, if I... if Nancy is her mom, we don't know who her dad is, which means since Nancy is still in a mental institution, that Nancy was at some point impregnated while in the mental institution, presumably by somebody who was charged with her care, which is a real weird loose thread to leave out of this. Yeah, that's yeah. a horrifying element for the movie to just leave us to inevitably infer. Yeah. Um, let me find that article. 
Yeah, and also this is didn't didn't Nancy already lose her powers at the end of the first movie? How did Duchovny take them if they were yeah. already gone? Um, and apparently, I it would have been a interesting time to bring Sarah into this movie at any point because don't even mention that. She but. was busy still rolling her eyes, I think. <laughs> yeah, Robin Tenney was not going to be in this movie. I'd like to think they <laughs> She's called. Very I'd busy. like to think they managed to call her, and she just laughed. She just oh, laughed and laughed until they had to said, hang up. She said nice things about it in interviews. So, I in the special features of the craft, there's an interview where she talks about like she's explaining the plot of the movie and she refers to the coven as like Sarah's witch associates, which just <laughs> cracks me up. <laughs> but she's just so distanced from the concepts in the movie. I also love the idea of referring to a coven of witches like they're a law firm. Yeah, my friends and I, we, my friend Stefania and I, we do a, an annual Witch Associates holiday card. <laughs> we will not be doing this year, but. Well, we know that Manal is the demon lawyer. So. Welcome, to, uh, welcome to the coven of double, double, and treble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think like that whole thing leads even more, this all leads more towards uh, the fact that Nancy really is the main character of the first craft movie. Um, yeah. Including mm-hmm. the fact that uh, Feruza Balk bought a magic shop in LA while making the craft and I love that. Like, owned it for a long time and let other people run it and then eventually sold it to the managers that she had left in charge of it, which is all She like, was also hey. a practicing Wiccan before she was in the craft, right? That's fantastic. I didn't know that. really like cloudy thing because all the stuff I could find online was like, there are rumors that she was. Uh, a witch before she got into the craft and, and then, then she said that she was not how much of that is these is a lot of these interviews happening in the 90s uh is hard to tell so we made it Fair to enough. the end of the movie yay too craft too furious <laughs> <laughs> all right so I wish. shall we move on to your checklist Gerber? yeah um let's let's talk about something pleasant uh well i guess first <laughs> of all the question is is there any uh any physical health or mental disability stuff in here well there is a lot of mental health stuff in here especially when it comes to timmy mm-hmm. um oh, yeah and it and lily is, yeah and lily and other than we can magic it away like if we have the right magic you don't have to worry about those things anymore yeah it's very kind of clumsy there i mean there's some good representation with lily and her various traumas and anxieties and stuff Timmy's his stuff is is handled in such an offhanded kind of way that it I don't know if it's better or worse to have had it there. It would have been it would again if the only change is that somehow these are breakthroughs that come through actual character growth and not magic spell. It would be amazing, but you can't separate it from this non-consensual foundation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that Lily is the only character that is really, I mean, that, that has enough time to really talk about trauma. And they, they, they depict her anxiety and relatively realistically represent her, you know, her struggle that has nothing really to do with the magic and more to do with just being, you know, a stranger in a strange land. There's some filmmaking that communicates that, but there's not much said about it in any sort of meaningful way you know other than the the sort of rote like she's she's empowering herself with the magic (laughs) there's a lot of things that uh happen and are addressed in this movie and we do not have time to actually explain or deal with they they throw a lot of things out there that they're not able to do anything with uh for better or worse 
that also includes a lot of the LGBTQ stuff in this movie. I, I feel like we do need to take a, cel- a second to celebrate that like this movie does have a canonically trans character played by an actual trans actress. Oh. That's for sure like, is done well despite not having a story of her own she is like a good character but this yeah, is exactly no, what we said about rachel true when we yeah. there are there's talk of deleted scenes that we don't get to see that kind of flesh out those backstories mm. i would love to see those scenes but you know Same. and we got the movie with the threads yeah again, you know there's what a whole i movie do worth of deleted scenes somewhere mm-hmm. i do love how we got to see her and Again, as much as everything around the character is complicated, uh, just taken on its own, Timmy's coming out scene is a very beautiful and moving scene, I thought. Which is it's never then addressed with Isaiah at all. The only person who's represented being upset about Timmy's death is the middle brother, who was his friend. We don't get to see any kind of fallout from Isaiah, this person who has had a you know, closeted romantic relationship with Timmy, so... I don't well, even the cult know what to do scene, they talked about it a little bit where they had Isaiah crying about it. Where Isaiah's were... not crying about it. Middle brother that's, is crying about it. Is that's that? Jacob. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's Jacob. Jacob, yeah. Because they cut to Isaiah being very stone-faced about it and David Duchovny giving him looks about it. Okay, mm. well, yeah. apparently I couldn't keep them. Uh, I keep thought that the reveal was going to be that Isaiah, that Isaiah had killed him under like David Duchovny's prodding. But then it turns out the company did it and I'm back to my dishes theory. Yeah. <laughs> All comes yeah. back to those dishes. That's obviously the other big LGBT thing here is the Timmy and Isaiah relationship, which to say it's like handled well or poorly is is to say that it's handled. Like there's the coming out scene and then that's it. Like we, we see Isaiah avoid him a few times and that's the only other way in which it's addressed. Um, and we I mean, again, like we don't know if that's why why Timmy dies or not. I do think it is nice that the argue, you know, what's arguably kind of the male lead protagonist is by, and that doesn't that in no way is that ever in an inhibitor to him being a romantic interest to Lily. Yes, like I like that Lily is in no way threatened by his queerness and is so accepting of it and that it's the thing that brings them closer together even if everything around that relationship is just so fucking unethical yeah what about the question of race in this movie like how do we feel about how it handles tabby and lordis they need backstories yeah we need we need arcs for all of those characters i like that they're at least the you know few minutes they have of screen time they're not being tokenized for being who they are I mean, this movie seems to genuinely love both of those characters. Mm-hmm. Like, Tabby's got a lot of personality. Tabby has the best fashion in the movie, I thought. Like, all of her outfits are just so fun and unique and f- so full of personality. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of camo, but that orange, gray, fiery camo that she was wearing at the end there. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think they were all on point. Actually, yes, because um, Lorda's um, high-waisted plaid pants, I wanted those as well. Yeah, Frankie's the only one whose fashion is not like necessarily something you want, but it is very much like you have a friend like that who is like... I'd I'd wear that coat. I would wear that coat. No, you don't have a friend like that. You have a great aunt like that. There you go. I have a friend like that. Yeah. And I had like that in high school. So, you know, 90s. I believe at some point last night or when we were watching this, I was like, 
Yeah, she's got that Macklemore fashion. She's been shopping yes. at the thrift shop. Honestly, Lily had some like floral tops that honestly, like I'd kill for to have in my closet. Yes, and Lily the mock turtleneck one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that one. My personal aesthetic is Grandma Toddler Witch, so I feel like Frankie is actually probably more of my style. <laughs> Lily was doing the cute, uh, the cute pearls thing, so she had the the Hepburn esque, you know, tiny little pearl studs at one point, and she had a cute little pearl headband, and then she had the pearl teardrop earrings that looked like the diamonds perfume bottle, the white diamonds perfume bottle. Like mm-hmm. she was, she was definitely rocking some thrift store finds. Lily's fashion was very, I mean, they're all, all their fashion was on point. Lily to me felt like several of my students, yes. like she, she felt pretty real. And I really did appreciate that. Like this she, movie, this movie did a much, much better job than the original craft with writing teen dialogue, like e- even down to the clever and quippy things that they were saying, it was still very realistic for how teams was, talk. Yeah, there was one bit where where Frankie was saying like IRL and BT dubs or whatever, and yes. that felt a bit weird and forced. But I think that was uh, the Diablo Cody part. <laughs> yeah. There's a moment where the mom says all the feels, and I felt so fucking old. Yes, <laughs> and it and it's supposed. I think you're supposed to feel like. Yeah, there's a special thanks to Diablo Cody in the credits on this. Alicia was like, what is that for? I'm like, I bet it's that scene with Frankie where Frankie is talking very fast and then proposes to to Lily. That seems very like Diablo Cody. Except I definitely have some students who would do that. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that speed of dialogue feels like Diablo Cody. Second to last question here is just how it deals with class, which I don't feel like it does. They all seem to be fairly rich and it's never really addressed. Um, they all seem the one, well off. Yeah, the one point that they they don't have uh, on their checklist of, of the movies, yeah. or, the original movie sins. Now this this movie does not actively hate homeless people the way the first craft does. There's there's nobody that we that I can think of experiencing homelessness in this uh, in this movie. So like, it's not aggressively bad at class. Like you also craft. don't have like nancy's class-based background and how important Mm. that was for the first movie yeah just people of other classes don't exist in this movie yeah or maybe they do and we just don't see their backstories because no one has a fucking backstory no one has a backstory so it's equal opportunity not looking into people's backstories was this movie feminist what do you think it tried it is as roxanne roxanne gay would say bad feminist like it's Mm. flawed it feels like cotton candy feminists like we're powerful together yay like it feels like it's a vaguely affirmative without actually saying much yeah Yeah, and that you know it's female characters all have agency and all uh have their own personalities and things going on that are not directly tied to men uh is i i think definitely nudges it in that direction i don't think i feel like the mra storyline is supposed to like be and feel feminist but there's so very little going on there and it's it so nowhere unexplored. if you want that yeah if you want that explored in a horror movie we just did black christmas Go yeah watch that. like that was basically the black christmas i do like that, i do like that this movie does not say we gave a bunch of teenage girls some power and then they messed it all up and they're terrible. <laughs> At least in this movie, these teenage girls have a lot of power and they say, whew, 
we might've done too much. You know what? We need to chill for a minute. You know, they, nobody is giving or taking, nobody is giving them power and then taking it away because they couldn't handle it because now they're out of control. Teenage girls. I definitely feel like this movie improves on and avoids a lot of the pitfalls that we talked about yesterday with the first movie. Mm -hmm. just has that weird tone shift in the middle and then it spends too much of its time focused on the story of this one character who they immediately kill (laughs) yeah so i I feel like there's this like a lot of the problems with this movie i think are due to wanting to remake the craft and at the same time realizing that if you make the craft in 2020 nancy can't be your villain like the Nancy character can't be your villain. You can't have a girl who has an immediate meltdown as soon as she gets some kind of power and them going, all right, now where do we find the villain now? And them going, well, we're introduced as David Duchovny character. He's a MRA warlock and we know whatever. Um, and they don't, they don't have the time or space or thought it even seems to, to actually explore that. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I wrote in my notes, this feels like, the drunken rant that I've had at my husband when I watched The Craft about what the sequel or what the remake would be like, where I haven't fully fleshed out a spec script because I've had some alcohol and I just am not sure where this movie is going to go. I mean, I think to me, it just really emphasized just how much time has passed since The Craft. Like when Mm -hmm. that first one came out in 1996, what else was like this? What was that gothy spooky scary like teenage girl like witchy like content there was nothing like Buffy yeah there's Buffy and there was Ginger that one no that was later yeah Charmed was two years later even though even Buffy was 1997 hadn't come out yet when the craft came out yeah March of 97 well the movie had come out the movie had already been out yeah yeah yeah, that's true so we didn't talk about it with the last one this this movie feels a little influenced by Charmed, which oh, Charmed was like so. Apparently, the the creator of the first the craft pitched uh, WB and CBS and all these guys on a craft television series. I and believe they it. it down, and then mm-hmm. like later Charmed existed. To give a sense of the time in between these movies, Charmed premiered, ran for eight seasons was canceled and then rebooted. Yeah. Charm yeah. was also inspired by the craft, right? The original yes. creator. It and then a, they used to the theme song that's we're also featured full in the craft movie. fucking Ouroboro right. at this point. That's yeah. right. I totally had forgotten that the Charmed also used, that was, was that How Soon Is Now? Mm-hmm, the cover the of it. Song, mm-hmm. They used the cover of it that they'd done for the craft. It's the, I am human and I need to be alone. Like that one. Yeah, the yeah, Morrissey. Yeah, because it's a Morrissey song and they did that cover for The Craft and then they used the cover for Charmed. Yeah, it's such an obvious like ripoff. But yeah, Charmed actually had the room and time to explore all of this stuff, which this movie could have done very well with. I mean, there's also like now there's, well, we got the recommendations, but that really is my ultimate takeaway with this movie is what was unprecedented the first time around. Now there's just so much else out there that's just doing this, but better and more interesting. Yeah, I guess uh, this is a a good time to go ahead and transition then to our, our sort of overall evaluations. Like, do you think this is a good movie? Is this something you'd recommend people watch? (laughs) (laughs) Watch Sailor Moon. Watch watch Sabrina. Watch 
watch Charmed, either of them. I actually don't like Sabrina, but I think that's a discussion for another time. Of course not. Yeah. Oh no. Which one's doing heart Sabrina? Yes. Chilling of chilling adventures of Sabrina is its own other whole other can of worms. Yeah. I, that's a I, whole that's a whole other three hour conversation. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, actually, ooh, I would not watch that. Um you can also watch Out of This World, which is about a is an eighties sitcom about an alien girl that could stop time. Hmm. All right. I feel there aren't many movies that I felt as divided into like sections about. I remember very distinctly watching the first Wolverine movie and being like, the first half hour of this movie is good. I'm really enjoying this. And then the second half hour being like, what the hell happened? And then by the third half hour being like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. It is. Quite it might, that far, but like, when I think worst movie of all time, it's definitely the first thing that pops into my head. Yeah, which is like, this this movie legitimately for the first 45 minutes an hour of this movie I really enjoyed it like I I liked that I was excited to see where it was going and then it got there and I was like man I wish we hadn't gone there like <laughs> I I would still like to see the mini series version of this movie like I would love to see them explore these characters better it it yeah. just feels like they have so much going on that the first movie didn't the first movie doesn't have any of the things going for it that the first half of this movie does and then they they just don't stick the landing like they've introduced all these subplots they don't do anything with and it's like they were making the pilot for this show and then somebody is like all right well you've got the first hour done uh wrap this up in 30 minutes and we'll just put it out as a movie yeah <laughs> this is the right story in the wrong medium mm-hmm. mm. good intentions mm. Like, again, I feel like, and again, they needed the time of a miniseries, but if this had gone all in on, like, if the theme of the first movie was women getting power and abusing and turning on each other, this is women getting power and finding love and empowerment with each other in the face of external adversity. And I think, you know, I think that's still a very compelling fun thing to explore if they had had time to fully flesh it out and explore it and fully endear us to these characters and make them fully realized. Well, on that note, since uh, none of us really seem to have come away loving this one, what would you recommend for people that maybe want a better version of this or want some of the stuff they're getting here and uh, with that actually sticks to landing? Alicia, did you have something in mind? Well, I was just thinking some of the things that we've already mentioned were pretty, pretty good. Um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I will always ride hard for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as flawed as it is. Okay. Uh, Allie, <laughs> you got anything? That's it. <laughs> um, I do, and it's actually not something that would be better, but something that's like, if you did enjoy this movie, um, you should watch <laughs> Teen Witch from the 80s. I think that's 1989. Top that. Um, top that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make Chris happy and... If you want over-the-top teen craziness with nonsense twists happening at any moment, uh, check out Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I knew where that one was going. Oh, yeah. Uh, Emily, you got anything? A few things. I mean, there's 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 so much out there. Like, Ben really hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, we have all of this witchy girl power shows and media that have happened between the original craft and now there's a lot there you know i was talking about sailor moon there's a this is kind of off to the side but 
there are books by an author jonathan stroud oh the screaming staircase series and um the bartimaeus trilogy that have a lot to do with magic and people using magic and they have a lot of great things to say mostly about class you know because a lot of these the cool thing about the craft movies that that we want from them is that we have characters practicing magic and it's something that's not harry potter that's where i kind of go with recommendations is you know i would love to see more series that are about using magic and and you know all sorts of magical things that say something more yeah i mean there's a lot of comics and anime out there it's a minefield but there's some really really great stuff there's also a really fantastic series a manga series called um witch hat atelier which is beautiful it's a heartfelt story it's about young women growing and using power and it's it's i mean it's it's very much lighter than the original craft but more in the in the vein of you know there's some cool witch girls hanging out and doing things and you know some non non non-binary characters too awesome you you had me at non-binary characters Uh, i am always so down for i am always so so down for non-binary rep (laughs) that is one thing that that like again anime i will admit uh, um is a minefield but there are some incredible representation you know ahead of its time out there in various series so um i could list them all here or you can just hit me up um in the upcoming you know just listen for my info so i'm going to do uh something i I try not to do which is recommend something i haven't actually uh read myself but has been recommended to me by multiple people and that is uh gideon the ninth which is a book that was described to me as lesbian necromancers in space explore a uh, haunted castle full of death traps which i was like yeah i want to read that um (laughs) but it has uh it's i've been told it has the same sort of like fun and uh messy and exciting you know stuff that that we want to see from the craft movies and uh and chris backed me up on it chris said it was good so i'm going to believe chris uh until i get around to actually reading it but it sounds like the sort of thing that i wanted to experience from the craft and have yet to manage to to do now, all that said, uh, that's all of our recommendations. Can uh, We just got to let people know where they can find us online if they want to talk further about this. Alicia, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Alicia Whitley. I mostly just talk about education and occasionally good soup. Good soup. Did I make the soup? Yes, of course. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allie, what about you? Where can people find you online? I am Allie Mullen, A-L-L-I-E-M-U-L-L-I-N on Instagram, Twitter, and AllieMullen.com. Fantastic. And what about you, Emily? Megamoth on Twitter, Megamoth on Tumblr, Megamoth.net on the interwebs, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram, uh, and Megamoth on Patreon. That's M-E-G-A-M-O-T-H. Hit me up for those good magical girl wrecks. That is R-E-C. And Ben, where can people get magical girl reps from you online? You can find me on Twitter at BenTheCon, or you can go to BenConComics.com if you're one of those weirdos who still actually goes to websites. Uh, (laughs) And right now, uh, Renegade Rule, my upcoming queer gamer girl graphic novel from Dark Horse Comics is available for pre-order. So you can pre-order that through Penguin Random House or Amazon.com. Hear me? And I am on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. My website is jeremywhitley.com. Right now, School for Extraterrestrial Girls, book two is available for pre-order. It's coming out in June. 
and uh, Raven Pirate Princess book nine should already be out by the time you hear this. As for the podcast itself, uh, we can be found on Patreon where you can support all the podcasting that you love coming from us. Uh, it's patreon.com slash progressively horrified. The podcast is on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod, where you can get quotes from us and finding out what's coming up. Uh, the website for the podcast is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, where you can subscribe through any of the many pod catching apps that you have. You can rate and you can review. And I recommend and would love if you would do those things. Give us as many stars as is humanly possible. Uh, so that we can keep making these these great, great programs. Uh, that is all for us for now. So we want to thank everybody for joining us. Alicia, Ali, Emily, Ben, thank you all for being here. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Awesome being here. Thank you. Thanks to all of you all for listening. Please come back and join us next week when we'll be talking about the offbeat Canadian horror comedy, Blood and Donuts. See you then. Blessed be. Progressively Horrified was created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, Ali Mullen, and Alicia Whitley. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole, 06, and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. comics and fine artist as well as uh still says noted goth from last night emily martin uh what level are the waist of your jeans uh the waist of your pants reached oh you want to try that take high high sorry your pants as are high as high? my nose as the uh um as my snobby uh goth opinion <laughs> can we do a redo on that one you want to try and introduce okay, her again you want to you want me to try and yeah one okay. more time. my editor has weighed in she yeah. says my introduction that was shit uh, was not sure about <laughs> You don't clap. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Clap for no, no, stop. Stop clapping. Comics and fine artist Emily Martin. What level? What what was I writing? I don't know, buddy. Where are your pants?